Hey there, just a quick note before we dive into today's episode. Next month, I'm going to be leading a workshop with Change Coach Sarah Lee, who is also today's podcast guest, called Think Less, Accomplish More, a workshop for college students, academics, and intellectuals. The three-hour workshops for people who rely on their intellect to make it through life and have no doubt had a lot of success, but not without great costs. This workshop is perfect for academics who might feel burnt out or exhausted, feel that their success is fueled by fear of failure, or those who might consider themselves perfectionists while at the exact same time feeling never quite good enough. We'll explore how to tap into even more creativity and productivity by seeing what lies beyond your sharp intellect. There'll be two versions of this workshop, one for graduate students and academic professionals, and one for undergraduate college students so that we can zero in on the unique challenges each population faces. If you're a stressed student or academic professional, please check out this low-cost workshop. And if you know a stressed or anxious student, please share this with them. What Sarah and I have both seen and lived through as burned-out academics can dramatically change your experience, and we're really excited to share this with you. Go to dramyjohnson.com slash thinkless for more information and to register. Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 177 disidentifying with the intellect and thriving in every way with Sarah Lee. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. So this conversation you're going to listen to is the one that I so badly needed to hear. <laughs> well, I don't know how long ago, 15 years ago. Um, I I just, Sarah Lee is a change coach. She's awesome. She's a college professor. She has seen so much personally and loves to share what she's seen around this topic with other intellectuals, other academics. And I'm I, personally, I have such a place in my heart for this. I'm so grateful that she's doing this work and that she's in touch with other academics and, and graduate students and college students every day because, oh my gosh, we need her. So you'll hear in this conversation, we'll talk about Sarah's story. Um, you know, like many people growing up kind of feeling like the classic perfectionist, um, always doing really well in a lot of things that she did. She's very gifted musically, academically, and and kind of falling into that that rut of doing what other people thought she should do with her life, maybe a little more than what truly lit her up. Um, she found herself in eating disorders and anxiety and things like that as a result of all of this pressure, you know, as a result of all of the perfection and striving and running and being so identified with her intellect. This thing about that, this identification with our intellect, it, it feels so scary to let that go. And I'm sure many of you can relate to this. Whether you consider yourself an intellectual or not, I don't even know what that means. I'm sure Sarah doesn't know what that means. You know, it's just a label, but it's like, any of us who feel like, wow, I'm holding all this together. I need to be a certain way. Things need to go a certain way. And it takes a lot of my effort and hard work. And if I let that go, if I'm not constantly thinking or planning or working or efforting, 
it's all going to fall apart. That is so unbelievably exhausting. I don't even have to tell you. It sounds exhausting, doesn't it? And honestly, after working with thousands of people with anxiety and habits, some version of this is behind it so often. It's so understandable. I mean, we we are applauded for the things we do. We're applauded for our effort. We're applauded for our intellect at times or our muscle or our looks or whatever it may be, our talent. We're applauded for that and our mind takes that and says, okay, don't let this go. This is where your approval's coming from and you better work really hard to keep it up and we crash and thank God we do. And so that's what we talk about in this conversation with Sarah her crash, but more importantly, her her waking up to this. And again, I just love that she's a professor. She still loves using her intellect. She loves academics. She loves that whole side of her life, which is just amazing. And now she gets to really love it. You know, now she gets to to use her really smart intellect, but not feel like she has to run the show with it, you know, to see what's behind it. And it's amazing to hear how much opened up for her, not just in terms of peace of mind, but truly in terms of success and productivity and creativity when she when she woke up to the fact that, th- that it's not her intellect running everything, you know, that there's another source there. So I love this conversation. And as you may have heard uh, in the in the beginning promo there, Sarah and I are doing a workshop together for um, college students. We actually have two separate ones. One section is going to be for undergraduate college students who are stressed out, burnt out, and feel like they have to hold it all together. And uh, the other section is going to be very similar, pretty much the same workshop, but for academic professionals, professors, and graduate students. And we wanted to split it up just because there's slightly different issues that the two populations face. But in both cases, we're talking about accomplishing so much more with so much more ease by relying on our intellect so much less. Letting it be a tool that comes up and leads the way, but that we don't have to work so hard and we don't have to manage it the way that we've been taught that we do. So if you're interested, we'd love to see you in those workshops in January. You can see that at drjamiejohnson.com slash think less. So enjoy this conversation with Sarah Lee. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on Changeable. Hi, Amy. It's so great to be here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, Like we were just saying a little before I hit record, I feel like um, I feel like talking about people who or or to or with people who uh, have always kind of taken some value and worth and been applauded for our intellect, for their their thinking, you know, is such a great topic that in some ways every episode here looks at this and speaks to those people and kind of helps us see things in a different way. But but I've never I've never done anything like like we're gonna do, which is having a conversation specifically about that, you know, and it, it's um it's it's everybody in a lot of ways, I think. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Definitely. Yeah. So so Tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'd love to kind of go into a little bit of your story of how you came to be very identified with with thought and all of that. Um, but maybe just to just to start it off, like say a little bit about what you do now and how you got here. 
Yeah, so I actually am in academia. I am a professor and I teach at a, a small university in the Bay Area. Um, and like aside, I want to say this, like, although we'll be talking a lot about people who identify with their thoughts, I think it really is everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, I love my job. Like I, lo- I love what I do and I can see how, you know, understandably we over identify with our thoughts sometimes, especially if it's your job to think and talk about what you think all the time. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I love that you said that because really it's like, it's a great way to start. And I'm sure this will come out throughout our conversation that it's not an either or, and it's not like, there's nothing wrong with, I mean, it's awesome that we have a mind that can think, you know, it's so cool that we could learn things and we can study and remember things and use our intellect in all of those ways. Um, And, you know, and it's just good to know that that's not all there is. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's where kind of the suffering, or at least for me, I can speak for myself, where that really led to a whole host of different quote unquote problems for me because I just heavily relied on my thinking all the time, which then like made the thinking even louder and more meaningful, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So, so how did that start for you? I mean, is this something like that you can remember from the time you were little, like kind of living in your head a lot? Did it start at a certain point or say a little bit about that? Yeah. So I was a very, very, like if you had to like use like labels or words to describe me, I guess from a very early age, I identified as anxious, a perfectionist, overachiever. I think I skipped kindergarten. Like I was very, very, I was a bright kid and I got rewarded for it. And when um, I had like, kind of like an, you know, I don't even want to call it unstable, but like, you know, when things were hard at home or like mom and dad were fighting or whatever, like I really took it upon myself to like, well, I'm just going to get really good grades and I'm going to do this right. And I'm going to be quote unquote perfect. And then everything's going to be okay, which, you know, in retrospect, it's so innocent, you know, that a lot of, a lot of kids do that, you know, like take on their parents, whatever. And um, also being immigrants, um, being a first generation immigrant from Korea used to be like a third world country, a lot of war. So I think growing up with, that it felt kind of like a security blanket to be good at stuff and to be smart and to stay little, um, which, you know, just not rock the boat or anything. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where it started. And, um, you know, I think with a lot of people who are uh, smart or identify as smart, it seems more true that you have to rely on your mind because it's like, look, I, you know, I relied on my mind and I got these straight A's or look, I studied and this happened. So then it seems as though it's like really true that you have to really, really rely on your mind. So I think that's kind of where it gets a little tricky, you know, like we start seeing evidence that like, oh, my mind did all of this, you know? So yeah, for sure. And so, so that's one way for sure. Yes, that we get, um, 
it just looks like, well, obviously this is what got me here. And also what you said about being, just being rewarded in other ways too, you know, like you get attention for it and you do get, you know, you're not maybe singled out in the class or if you are, it's for positive reasons, you know, like just all the little ways that it, it's like we have, our mind comes up with these ideas about how we need to be. And then there's so much evidence. And of course, there's evidence against it. You know, there's tons of evidence against it, but we're blind to that. We don't even notice when we're not rewarded for it or something. It's, that just falls away. Oh, it's so funny, Amy. I like on a daily basis, I can prove my mind wrong now. It's kind of like, funny now, you know, where I'm like, oh, I really thought this and it totally is not, it didn't happen that way at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's, I mean, I find it funny now. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, so when was the first time that you remember sort of having a sense that maybe thinking a lot or, or I don't know how you'd say it, like being in your head or what, like that your head wasn't going to help you as much as you needed it to. Like, were there, were there ways that you started to notice it sort of backfire or, or even just feel heavy or too much or something like that along the way? Yeah. And you know, I kind of, you know, when I started talking about my childhood, I made it seem as though like I truly only believed that, but I think like, I think with every person like there is a deeper wisdom that we have you know like as caught up in our thinking that we can be like there's moments where there's like glimpses of like this can't be it you know like moments where I had like feel like so connected to like nature or lose track of time or like um I don't know there's just like moments in life that like where life is just like really living me and it's it kind of just shines that light that like oh maybe my mind is not you know maybe this I'm not in control you know um as much as I'd like to be in control and I think where when I started to really feel the pain of this is I I suffered from a very severe eating disorder in high school and like on the outside, I was still getting great grades. I got into a bunch of colleges that I applied to in my senior year of high school. I had a boyfriend. I was popular or whatever. I was on the tennis team and I played music. You know, I, on paper, everything looked fine. I was yeah. great. But I was suffering so much from like my anxiety, insomnia, like insane fear of food. Like my mind was consumed with thoughts about like being perfect and not getting fat and getting A's. Like that's, that pretty much was the soundtrack and running soundtrack in my head. And like, it's so painful. And it was like almost felt really like, I just felt really disconnected because on the outside you know, people would say that they were like envious of me. And I was like, really? <laughs> because would you like to live in this affair uh, <laughs> with me? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I was just like, I really, you know, and then you, know, you go to the 
doctor or therapist and they're like, well, you just have this anxiety disorder and you have this eating disorder and you have, you know, they give you like a list of diagnoses and they're like, and you're just going to have to live with this for the rest of your life and you have to manage it. You have to develop tools to manage your anxiety and X, Y, and Z. And like, I was like, really? This is the way I have to live for the rest of my life? And I think that was like, as painful as it was, it was like the waking up kind of to this can't be it. Like this can't be the end all be all. Like, yeah. Yeah. I love what you said about how we just get those nudges and they come so often in major suffering where it's like this just, there's no way, there's no way that this is it. Or even just like you said, people being envious of you and and the disconnect between that and what you felt. And it's like these little things along the way just kind of nudge us awake or they give us these little clues. Um, Yeah, that's that's so big to see because I think we're all having nudges like that. We're all having even little moments where it's like something doesn't add up here. Mm -hmm. You know, and will, I know for me, I, I would often just dismiss those like, oh, I... I'm just being weird or like everybody else is comfortable in life. I'm just the one who isn't or something. Yeah. And now, you know, you want to look back and say like, no, you were onto something there. It doesn't add up. Like life is weird because we live in our heads and it isn't the truth of what, what's really available to us. Yeah. And I think that's where like, it's just this kind of like this, you know, we, I've created this character for myself and like, it's this identity and, and I'm like holding on to this identity, no matter how much it's like, like life is just like, nope, nope. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. and, you just, and I was just fighting it. Like, I just have to be this, this way, or I just be this person. And like all of the suffering is from like clinging to that story you know that our mind has created and innocently just trying to keep keep me safe you know? yeah it's so big to see though how that that is universal and that of course we all have different experiences with it you know but that to some not to some degree I mean it's universal like our mind kind of creates this character for us and go does so much work to try to keep that character safe and okay and and Sometimes, like in your case, in my, in a lot of people's cases, I think somewhere along the way, it just, it can't hold it all together. And again, that's, that's beautiful because that's like, okay, now there's some cracks forming here. This is your chance to kind of see behind the curtain of, of this whole illusion of like, you need to be a certain way to be okay, Sarah, you know, and like (laughs) that wasn't going to, it wasn't going to work anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think like, now that I'm looking back at my life, there are like choices that I made where I'm like, oh, I did deviate from that character. Like, you know, but, you know, at, at that moment, I, I thought like, I just thought I was like confused and I didn't know what I was doing. But yeah. it, actually, it was deeper wisdom that like moved me through it away from the script, you know, so to speak. And I don't know. I just think that's so cool to see in yeah. hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you start to, how did those cracks get bigger? And like from going from, oh my gosh, I need to get straight A's and not eat, you know, to, okay, now I have these other things I'm going to have to deal with my whole life. So they say, like, what was, what was that like for you of kind of, um, 
healing from some of this? Was that a long process? Um, kind of. Yes and no, I guess. So I'm going to backtrack. When I was young, I, I was like very good at the violin and I really wanted to go to conservatory for it. And so when I was in high school, I was applying to both conservatories and like regular schools, like mm-hmm. college. Um, and I got into a conservatory that I really wanted to go to. Um, but my dad told me that he would like disown me if I went to music school because he didn't immigrate. I get it now. Like he didn't immigrate all the way to the United States for me to play music, like, yeah. and possibly not have a job. Right. So yeah. I get his thinking, but that was like the fear that was instilled in me. So I decided not to go to conservatory and go to regular school. Um, and now that I'm looking back, I'm like, that was such a privilege that I had both options. But anyway, the, I, so I went and I just, I hated it. I, I got very, like, I relapsed again from the eating disorder. I had to go home. I was possible. Like, it was like such a like, this big thing. But like, now I can see, like, I was doing things just because I thought I had to, and it caused a lot of suffering, right? So I didn't see it as that at all back then. I was just like really struggling with the eating disorder, but I'm starting to see this like hot, not, I don't even want to call it a pattern, but like when I choose things because my mind says that's the way it has to go, often I suffer, oftentimes I suffer, right? And so I like, so I fast forward, um, I graduate from college. um, I was teaching high school. And my dad was like, you know, you should really consider going to graduate school. If you really want to be a teacher, you should get a PhD, then you could be a college professor, you you know, you get paid more, yada, yada. So I said, okay. And then I and then it's just these like little micro choices where I'm like, well, I'm not going to major in what you want me to major in anymore. Cause I did that last time and that didn't work out so well for me. <laughs> and so I just started making choices like, well, what sounds interesting to me? Like, what do I really want to study? And I, I picked something that was like, probably not what he would have wanted me to do. But at that time, like I was an adult, so I picked and picked a school that he probably wouldn't want me to go to. It, you know, it was just these like little things where I started like making choices based off of like, like what, what makes me light up? Like, what do I get excited about? And, and, um, and I honestly, like, I felt like such imposter syndrome in grad school because like, I was not your typical grad student. Like I was going to yoga every day. I like was teaching yoga, Amy. Like I, (laughs) I like, but like was so deathly scared that my advisor would like, find out that I was doing so much yoga outside of school and I was not studying until 2am like everybody else. Like I was just like not the best grad student on like, if you looked at, yeah, you know, I wasn't locking myself up in the office every day. Like, and it was just <laughs> like, but it was something that like, it just felt right for me to like, it felt right for me to have friends and have a you know, whatever, have all these other things outside of work and school. And so like back then I would just feel guilty about it. But I think that was, again, like my wisdom showing me like, you don't have to beat your head against the wall to, you know. Yeah. 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 
And even though you felt guilty about it, you were doing it. I was you know? doing it. Like yeah. that's so fascinating that there's something in us that that just propels us into action and our mind can beat us up for it and hate it and all of that, you know, feel guilty about it. But there was something in you that was starting to wake up and just do the things that felt right to do. Yeah. And I, I love how in this too, it's like in some ways, it's like, you know, I'm sure people could listen who who have a whole different mindset and say, well, of course you should major in what you want to major in and do things your way. But you can, I can also feel, and I know we can all kind of feel this in our own way, that when your mind has always made up these rules for like, this is how you be okay. You do what your parents want. You do this, you get these grades, you, you know, you live life this way. It is huge to take those little steps. They're not <laughs> little steps. They're big steps, you know, to start to just break out of that a little bit. So yeah, I think I think I got my first C in grad school on my page. <laughs> I was like, All right, I guess this is what I'm gonna get. Like, yeah. Like, I love that though. Like how freeing and how how cool to see how relative it all is, you know? Like <laughs> like somebody else is just obsessed about something completely different. They're thrilled with C's and, and neither of them are any better or worse or different mm-hmm. or more real or anything than the other. Right. It's like none of it is a problem. It's just that we identify with like this, the A or we identify with the whatever, this major and like that becomes us somehow. And I don't know, yeah. it's, so, it's so interesting. Um, and I have to say, Amy, like the, the, like the real thing that like kind of hit me in the face with this was when I was on the job market. Because, you know, I mean, I think you, you mentioned it. Yeah. So it's like you have to like defend your dissertation. Like the word defend, it's like you have to like defend yourself and then you're going on the job, like you're on the market, like I'm like some like livestock or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go give job talks and everyone comes in and tries to like undermine you in a sense or like prove you wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> but like isn't that the whole premise of academia? Is that we we're the premise is that we do research because we don't know the answer, right? Like yeah. at its purest form, right? And, yeah. that, and that I kind of like, I love that because it's like, without, if we remove all the conditioning and the pomp and circumstance and the ego, like really at its core, it's like, we don't know. And yeah. that's why we're here, you know? Like, yes. it's we don't know. I think, I think that's so cool. It's so cool. It's, we're curious. I mean, every researcher I know, right, is just insanely curious about something. And then, and then, yes, it's so interesting how, I don't know, just the system and the thinking and stuff kind of turns it, it. We all sort of get caught up, everyone I know at least, and I certainly did in that of, yeah, like the curiosity is still maybe there, but now it's like, oh no, I have to prove, like you said, I have to prove myself or everything has to be perfect. And that's the opposite of curiosity. Yeah. 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 And um, when I was on the job market at that time, I was on the East Coast and I was dating someone back in California and we were like doing long distance on and off and on and off. And like, um, he like we're not together anymore but like basically the whole thing was if you don't get a job in the bay area not even california in the bay area then we're not going to work out and so like the whole time i was in grad school i was like have to get a job in the bay area i have to get a job in the bay area and if you know anything about getting an academic job you don't really get to pick like not at all (laughs) 
<laughs> so I was on the job market and at this, you know, at this conference where they're doing a ton of like interviews and I only picked schools that were in the Bay Area and I only interviewed with schools in the Bay Area. And I was in my every like my my advisor didn't know that I was doing this. Like I pretended like I was applying everywhere else and and um and you know and they want you to only apply to research schools and not whatever it's just so bizarre i mean in hindsight i i like you know i just remember feeling like i had to like be so secretive about this but then i had this relationship so i had to like get this job in the bay area anyway the i think this is like really what hit me in the face that i like don't have any control over any of this so i I interview with this job with this school that is like literally, I kid you not, like two miles away from where I grew up. And I get the job and I get the job before I even finish. Like they were like, yeah, come. We don't, you know, like I didn't, I hadn't even finished my dissertation. So in a matter of two months, I had gotten a job and was moving back to California. And it, like, in it, and I'm not saying like it was like not. Because I had, it's not because of anything my mind could have predicted or strategized or figured out. Like, I think what happened, Amy, is that my whole like energy was like, I like at that time I was very much in love with this person. And I just really wanted like all of my energy and love and like, was like, I need to go home. Yeah. I don't think it was because like I could like prove that I was like the smartest candidate or this or that. Like, I don't like, I think that's where I started to see like, Oh, my mind is not running the show. Like I, it's like a crapshoot really, you know, like, and I somehow got this job. And so I was just like, Oh, maybe it's not. (laughs) I mean, I didn't, I hadn't even finished my dissertation at that point. So I was just like, Oh, maybe it's not. And I'm not saying that like, for anybody who's listening who is in grad school, I'm not saying like, don't finish your dissertation. Yeah. Please <laughs> finish your dissertation. We'll put a disclaimer here. Please don't take <laughs> academic advice from us in this episode. <laughs> but it's just pointing to like, wow, as hard as my mind can try and figure out and predict and plan and strategize, yada, yada, yada. Like that's not going to, that's, it's not the end of the story. You know, well, yeah. I think it's super cool to see that. Yeah, I can just listening to you say that. I know. Um, oh, it's bringing back so many memories too. <laughs> I remember that being on the job market, and I w- I actually went from grad school. I I did do the academic job market, but I um, I didn't want to just go to whatever small school offered me a job. So I um, and live anywhere because, like you said, you don't really have a choice at all. <laughs> uh, I wanted to move to Chicago, so I actually got a non academic job which was like the biggest sin in the world. And I remember, you know, like walking down the hallway of my, of my psych department, just feeling like I had this giant, like scarlet letter on me. Like everyone's right. going non-academic. <laughs> oh, the shame. And then, and then what's so funny is within, you know, um, weeks, a month of being out of there, I just couldn't care less. It's like, who are those people? And why, why was my life around making them happy for five years? And right. that's crazy. And- and I think that just points to like how, how it's so, it can be such an illusion, right? Yeah. It's like this big, 
it's I kind of like when you talk about like being a fish in water, you know, you don't even realize you're in water because you're surrounded by other fish who are all drinking yeah. the same water. And then you, you like kind of step out of it and you're like, Oh, I was in water that whole time. And there's other things like air and land and other just, I don't know. It's like when we get so caught up, it's usually a sign that that's like not the, the whole truth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like ostrich with our head in the sand. Like yeah. if it starts to feel suffocating. It's probably because we put ourselves in like a little tiny box. Right. Exactly. So. Exactly. So in that situation though, like I could see how, I don't know, like that's for sure one of those where it's like, okay, I need to get a job in the Bay Area. So I need to be the absolute best. Like I have to be so good that no one will ever tell me no. And that's how I'm going to write my own ticket and go where I want to go. So it's so cool though, that like you, you had like this experience, right? Of like, Hey, like seeing in that I didn't make this happen. None of my accolades, like none of that contributed to this. And and cool that your mind, you know, that your mind didn't get in the way of that in a sense, like that, that you could see that because it's really kind of disconfirming evidence, which our mind hates, but that it really landed with you. It's like, wow, okay, this is, this wasn't up to me. Yeah. And Amy, like, I think, cause I didn't, I wasn't even exposed to the three P or any of this understanding at that point, but like, so I didn't have the language for it, but mm-hmm. it was just like, wow, like I don't get to control a lot of what happens in my life yeah and it's all okay like it happened to work out for me the relationship didn't work out that's the funny thing like our minds do this thing where it's like well if I just get that job then then we're gonna stay in this relationship the funny thing is we didn't even end up staying together Amy so that's like (laughs) isn't that so funny and it just got proven wrong again like oh you really thought that like getting this job was gonna make this relationship last like nope that didn't last either like our minds, my mind, as many minds do, like to do like this, like if this, then if you get this job, then da 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 da. If you yeah. get your PhD, also after I finished, after I got my PhD and finished my dissertation, I like fell into a deep depression, and I think it's because I really thought I was going to feel better after I got this piece of paper yeah. or these three letters after my name, and I yeah. didn't. It. And and it was that expectation of like, oh, I'm just gonna feel. And all the during this time, I was still struggling with my eating disorder and anxiety and insomnia. And um, you know, I just thought like, oh, if I get my PhD, then like my anxiety will, uh, you know, because I'm so anxious because I'm in grad school. Nope. Mm-hmm. Now you become a professor and you have a whole lot of other different stressors and you have other reasons to be anxious. And it's just like, oh my gosh. But slowly, like my anxiety or like identifying with my anxiety kind of fell away and I didn't notice that. It's it's so subtle. Like I just stopped attaching and identifying with it. So I didn't even notice that it kind of fell away, which was really cool. That's interesting. That's another one, right? Like you think, oh, something's going to happen. I'm going to have this magical insight and then anxiety will never show up again. And it's so interesting how you say that. It's almost like another thing in hindsight. It's like you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have such a different relationship now with uh, feelings of nervousness, right? Like I just, it's so interesting. Like it used to be like a big deal. Like I would get nervous before I had to give a presentation and then I was like, see what's wrong with me. I'm so nervous. Oh my gosh. I'm going to 
panic attack, blah, 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 all the story. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, I'm a little nervous. And I'm like, okay, I guess that means I care about, I don't know. It's just, it's just not a big deal. Like I don't even spend a whole lot of thought on feeling nervous. I don't know, I'm going all over the place right now. So no, it's good. So the, so the whole thing about starting to see how your mind wasn't always right. You know, I think that's like such a, and again, maybe you didn't even recognize this as something like, and now we can talk about it. Now you kind of recognize that, but but I think that's so big. I mean, and it's just such a valuable thing for everyone listening to sort of hear and to play with. Like, because I can see you like light up now when you say like, oh my gosh, I thought this would happen and I was wrong. <laughs> you know, and then I thought that would happen. I knew that would happen and I was wrong. And it is, it really just speaks to the freedom in being wrong <laughs> because we thought we needed to be right. You know, we thought we we knew it all and we need it, but that's such a prison. It's like, in a way, our mind gives us this formula for, okay, just do these things or be this way and you'll be safe. And it sort of feels safe, but it also feels incredibly imprisoning. And so to start to see, wow, what if all of this that my mind's been thinking is not right? You know, again, it's kind of both. It can be completely terrifying for a minute, but there's also so much freedom in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah, so much freedom because, you know, when I first came to you, when I first uh, found you and found your work in your book, it was really because I wanted to quote unquote fix my eating disorder. I didn't even, at that point, I didn't, I still wasn't like cognizant of the fact that I had highly identified with my intellect. Like that, like it was so glued together that I didn't that like obviously I was seeing all these nudges that I my mind obviously is not always right and not in control Mm -hmm. but really like what was forefront in my mind was like I hated that I had this eating disorder I've had it for such a long time I'm so tired of it suffering a lot from it and so I came to you and to this work because of the eating disorder and over time I noticed that I like what really fell away was this identification with my intellect which was so such like a bizarre like byproduct or something you know like I really wanted to fix the eating disorder and and then as I just got in the conversation and started listening and reading I just noticed that like yeah my anxiety like I didn't identify with my anxiety I didn't identify with being quote-unquote smart or like things that used to really trip me up Amy like just didn't trip me up anymore and I think that's what I think when you're talking about freedom it's just like oh like I don't I don't have to like some things just really like the funny things that fell away having to answer emails all the time on time Mm -hmm. having to like um you know I would give myself these like deadlines of when I had to finish this paper or grading or something and like it, it like in my mind it would be a really big deal like something bad is going to happen if I didn't you know like I'm, yeah. I'm like super you know I like I said I, I identify as like an overachiever so like if, if I'm not like finishing this by this time then something's going to happen and I just kind of like let go of that a little bit and almost to the point where my mind was like 
oh, you're being really lazy, Sarah. Like you need, you, you really let yourself go, you know, like, and then your mind yeah. comes in and tells you how lazy you are because you're not like being hypervisual. And so it's just, I'm start like, now I can see that as like my narrator, um, just, you know, first narrating like, oh, something really bad's going to happen if you don't do this. And then, oh, you're being so lazy because you're not, you know, yeah. I can see that all now, but back then I was just like really, I was just confused, but I think I was really starting to open up to, yeah, maybe I don't know everything. And that it was just that little window of like, like, I love how, when you say what if, right? Because it, that's really what it is. It's like, what if I don't have to stress so much about this or what if, yeah. and, um, so anyway, yeah, I just, I started to see a lot of freedom, like, especially just not having to identify with what people said about me or people, ple- like the people pleasing, like that, like easily fell away. Yeah. And um, yeah, like caring about other people's opinions or even like taking things personally, like in our field we criticize each other all the time. And I don't know, it just, it used to really hurt my feelings. Like I would go home and cry if someone like wrote something about something I wrote, you know, and it just doesn't, I don't know. It's not like I, and I want to clarify, it's not that I got thicker skin. It's not that I'm any less sensitive. It's just that I don't take, I can see it for what it is. Yeah. I'm still a sensitive person. I still cry when I see things that make me sad. But it's that I don't identify with someone's words or whatever, you know, like it's just, I I don't see that as me anymore, you know, and it's, that's where the freedom is. It's like, I just don't, I don't identify. I like my work, but I, it's not who I am. And so I think that's where I see a lot of freedom. That's huge. That's so huge. So what about, so I hear you saying, you know, it's not like you specifically worked through a bunch of things. You saw some stuff along the way. And I mean, again, these words don't really fit, but it's almost like the layers of belief and thought just kind of fall away in a sense. Um, and, and you mentioned something about this concern that I think a lot of people probably have, which is like, if I'm, if I'm not thinking all the time and taking my thoughts seriously, I'm going to become lazy or I'm just not going to succeed. I'm not going to be smart at what I do. I won't show up on time. I won't be, you know, I won't study as much. Like, I'm sure you see that a lot, like just with the students you're with and the people you're with and stuff uh, in your job. So I don't know. What do you see now about that? Like, has has this freedom you feel actually impacted your? Again, all these words are so loaded. I don't want to say success, but like your your creativity, your ability to do good work. Yeah. So this is the like the irony, I guess, is that when I'm not micromanaging, I actually have more space to be more creative. And yeah, sometimes I'll have days where I'm not um, inspired, right? And then I'll have like a big like 
download or something. And I'll, and and you know, if you really want to look at my CV and look objectively, like I've done better. I'm I'm I've gotten I got some award last year. I spoke at some family weekend event and and um and like sitting on a board of whatever like if yeah. you look at my cv it's fine like nothing yeah. i've not i've not i haven't gotten lazier i just like has i have stopped beating myself with a whip <laughs> you know yeah. and yeah. so it's just i mean like i just and i think this is why i'm so passionate about this like we don't have to beat ourselves up and we don't have to believe everything that our mind spits out. Like it's a wonderful tool. It's like, like you said in the beginning of this episode, like our mind and our intellect is really cool. It's really cool to see like what you can create. Um, You know, some people are artists, some people are writers. Like it's really cool to see what the mind can do. And I like this analogy. Like I I think of my mind as like a paintbrush and I'm the artist or something beyond my mind is the artist. Right. And like, it's this wonderful tool. It can create a lot of cool stuff, but the paintbrush doesn't get to dictate what happens. Like it's something bigger than that. Like it's, it's so there's nothing wrong with our minds. It's just that when we start identifying that like we think we're the paintbrush and we're making all these big decisions for the paintbrush. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And it's so, such a, such an amazing feeling to watch what's done through us. Now this again, people listening might be like, what do you mean done through us? I did that. I've studied that part. I took all those classes and lessons. You know, I'm the one who learned to, I'm the one playing the violin or doing the painting because I took all the lessons all those years. Like, yeah, <laughs> there, there's stuff learned. There's stuff picked up that like we have a mind, body, physical thing and it learns things. And again, that's, the, that's so awesome how we can learn. And something happens through us. And to be able to sort of have that bigger point of view, like you're saying, of like, we're not the paintbrush. Like we're the energy that's coming through the paintbrush that's making, that's creating things. Oh my gosh. I mean, what a rush. And so so cool to, I'm, I remember I used to think like, if I didn't identify with this, I wouldn't get excited. I'd publish a paper and then it'd just be boring. And, you know, and, and in a way that was kind of true. Like I didn't get at this. I still, you know, still don't get as excited about a quote unquote success, but that's such a gift because it used to, that, that quote unquote success used to be such a roller coaster. Like you said, you get your PhD and then you're depressed because you realize later, oh, I thought this was going to give me something. Yeah. So, so it doesn't mean we play less in life and we do less in life. To your point, we probably do a heck of a lot more without the attachment and almost with this, in this way of it's like, whoa, look what was just created. Not look what I did, but like, whoa, look at that. Yeah. Like you have, like, you don't have the weight of like having to figure it out or having to be right or having to know everything like that is such a weight to carry. And it just, if anything, it just slows, I don't want to use the word slows you down, but or it just, it's a weight, you know? And like we, we, we feel better. We probably perform better. Like that's not the, you know, we're not, and it's not a strategy, 
strategy here, but like just, yeah. you know, without that weight, you, I find that I move through work and life with more ease. And, yeah. and I, and I've noticed that it help. I show up a lot better for my students and I don't use any of the three P language or anything, but just when my, when I see like my students really struggling or really stressed out or like, or they think there's something wrong with them because they're not doing well, even the students that are struggling, like I can point to their, their un like unscathed health and who they really are. And like, gosh, if that's what, I mean, I don't know I, if I, you know, I just think of all the, the college students and grad students and people who are like extremely stressed out and, yeah. and really like, I mean, even if you are a good student, it's still really stressful. And like, you know, you can think of all the ways that like just pointing to, Hey, you don't have to figure it like, it's okay. Like it's not, yeah. it's not on you. To yeah. it all out. It's just like to take that weight off of people. Yeah. To see that that the stress is always showing us, like you said earlier, it's always showing us, oh, I've just become really identified with this. Like it really, really matters for something. There's a right and a wrong way. All the stories are mine to saying, you have to do it this way. There's a right and wrong way. And to just even start to be a little aware of that to where we can kind of just ease off that a tiny bit. And just, and again, it doesn't at all mean that you throw it all away, just the opposite. You, you do it, but without that heaviness, yeah, there's such a sweet spot in there that I, I don't know, I know you're so passionate about it because you see it every day, you lived it, me too, you know, but like to just help people see, feel into that sweet spot. It, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to, like, I did. So when you were talking about how I see it, I, um, when I was going through your, uh, coaching program, one of my clients was a PhD student. And I think this is where this idea came from because, um, I didn't even think about speaking to this audience, but she came to me and her problem was that she was having a really hard time focusing on work. And that's what she came to me with. And after working together, we saw that that wasn't a problem at all. Is that her mind had created this little like formula of the way that she was supposed to be working, when she was supposed to be working, yeah. how productive she was supposed to be. And like that was what was causing her suffering. Not that she didn't know how to work or study. Like she was, a, she was getting a PhD in physics or something. Like she knows how to study. Like yeah. it wasn't the problem, you know? Yeah. Like, and it was just so cool to see like, oh, it's that I've created all of these rules and restrictions. And like you said, like, I have to do it this way or it has to be this way. And it's just like, it's narrower and narrower. And that's what causes us to suffer. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of like a lot of my clients will, you know, have eating issues and they, but they not so much anymore, but back in the day, like, can you help me stay focused on my eating plan? That's <laughs> like, no, there's a good reason you can't stay focused on your eating plan. It's leading you astray, you know? And it's a, so same thing. Like we think, we think something else is the problem. I can't focus enough. And so awesome to get to open this up for people. Yeah. And Amy, I have to say like this, so seeing it in this way kind of, 
took the charge out of my eating. Like I, like it's, I didn't, I stopped seeing my eating disorder as a problem. And when I first started looking into this understanding, I was like, oh, my eating disorder is such a problem. I can fix this. Like, you know, I would have this unwanted habit. That's why I started reading your little book of big change. And then, and it's almost like this backdoor entrance into like, oh, well, what if my eating disorder is not a problem? And like, what if I don't have to strategize? And it, it just, it just naturally, like the things that I used to calculate and like figure out and count and it just starts to not look so solid or real. And like, that's so, I, I, th- I think for me, like I never had like a big aha moment or like a, I don't know. It For me, it was always these little like moments where you know, like those optical illusions where like it looks so real. And then for a moment you see that it's like, you see like, like the picture with like the old woman and the young woman. Yeah. I always just saw the <laughs> old woman and then you see the young woman. You're like, Oh, and then you see the old woman again. Like you know, uh-huh. that, it's, it's, not, it's not an either or it's that like kind of this dance of like, this is the way my brain really thinks that it's supposed to go. And then I see mm-hmm. something that like completely is, disputes that and then I'm like oh you know and it just kind of like in like kind of dancing in between and I think that's so cool because I think that's really what it is it's like we're never going to get rid of our thoughts we can't quiet our mind like that's like a futile kind of thing but like we don't have to like that's the whole like when it's not us and that's where I, I think I see so much freedom too it's like I don't have to manage my mind. So I first went from really believing my mind and relying on my mind to now feeling like, oh, now there's something wrong with my mind. I have to manage my thoughts to like, it's not even me anyway. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I feel like this, um, this episode, this conversation is going to be that picture for people. I really hope it is, you know, if, if anything, you know, if you're listening to this and thinking like, no, I need to be in my head and hold it all together. And this is how I get through life. I feel like just listening to you in this conversation, it's like, you might just get a little glance at the young woman <laughs> just for a second. Now your mind will go back to the old woman. It's okay. You'll get off here and go do things that you typically do. But yeah, if like just a little crack starts to form, I mean, that's all that's needed because once you get the other side, you get curious about it. And it's like, you know, you you just can't go back completely to how things looked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that points to like, if, you know, if this helps illustrate this is that we once believed that the world was flat. Yeah. And like, in like through science, we have discovered like more about like the universe and the oceans and like, and so again, there's nothing wrong with that. There's like our intellect is really cool. And what if what we currently know isn't the whole truth? And like yeah. that's really kind of what I think is really cool. Like there's so much freedom in the not knowing. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for this. I love this. I, I, I really hope students and stressed out professionals and academics and all kinds of people hear this because I know, I mean, anybody, like we can, 
this is just so human. And I just, I love what you've seen and, and how you talk about it. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Amy. This is really fun. Do you want to give a unique, meaningful gift this holiday season? Rather than yet another pair of socks, a candle or bottle of wine, why not give the people in your life a gift that will allow them to experience deep, lasting peace of mind the whole year through? To help you give meaningful gifts this year, I've created Gifts of Change, my 2021 holiday gift guide. It's a list of amazing gift ideas for everyone on your list. From digital courses, to books, to subscriptions, to even gift cards so that your loved ones can choose their own perfect gift. When you purchase any of these gifts, we'll send you a personalized certificate that you can present to the recipient. You can see the Gifts of Change Holiday Gift Guide at dramyjohnson.com slash 2021 gift guide. Happy holidays! Happy holidays!